I also enjoy hearing our, our staff. I enjoy particularly hearing our younger staff. I've known Jessie for a lot of years and watched her grow, and Jessie's going to share just a little bit with you uh, this morning concerning her own life and the ministry that God has entrusted to her. So thank you, Jessie. Hey, well, hello. Um, my name is Jesse Lofton, and I just started in May working with Child Evangelism Fellowship as a children's worker. He likes to give that official title is children's ministry specialist, but I do not. I, I don't like that title. It sounds too official. But I'm a children's worker um, in the easternmost part of the state of Maine. Um, part of my I guess job description, I visit with churches, I visit with individuals, I have office work to do, I just started training teachers, that's a new, um, a new job for me, and also working with the children themselves. I'm definitely humbled to be a part of this work. During my first year of school, if you, I know you can ask any of the staff, I didn't talk to anyone, I, I just stayed in my room, and so to see that and to think like that God is using me is uh, very big, and that God God definitely does use the small and the weak and the simple. Um, if we surrender ourselves to him, he'll use us in um, great ways. And so that the glory is not a, of ourselves, that it's God who works in us, and it's definitely so in my life. Um, and so I said, as I said, I'm working in eastern Maine with the children, reaching them. Um, that's where I grew up, and but you see the children, not only in Maine, but in Canada, I'm sure it's quite similar here, that the children are growing up in homes where they're not hearing about the Lord, most of them. Now, there are some who are very fortunate, but they're, most of them are not. Um, they're not hearing of the love of God. Their parents aren't taking them to church. It's not really their choice, oftentimes. And so they're not hearing there. Schools are trying to kick God out, so they're not hearing there. But who's going to go tell them, and how are they going to go here? And... I was one of those children who needed to be reached. My family is not a Christian family. Um, I wasn't taught the word of God in my home. I wasn't brought to a church. But yet, God allowed me to be raised to know God and to, to learn to love him. And that was through the ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship. Actually, they have after-school Bible programs. They're called Good News Clubs. Several of you are involved in teaching in one. And there was one in my school. And so I went to that program. And week after week, you hear the gospel. You, you have an opportunity to accept it. And for weeks, I wanted to accept it. I was afraid, though. I'm shy. Um, so I was afraid to go and talk with my teacher. But finally, I did. And I was nine years old. And my sister, too, and other children right there in that school. Um, and then I went, got to go to Camp Good News and was discipled there. Uh, we had a training program, Christian Youth in Action, which we've been talking about having one here in Canada uh, this coming year. But in Maine, we had one, and I was trained to teach others there. Um, my counselors at camp came to New Brunswick Bible Institute, and I followed them uh, here. So I came here and studied. I wanted to have a foundation for my faith. I wanted to learn God's Word more deeply before going and doing whatever I, that I desired. I wanted to be an art teacher. Um, so I came here. Um, my first year here, I taught a good news club in Hodgton, which I know that's the good news club some of you teach. I taught there. And 
I read a verse during my devotions, and it just kind of hit me in my responsibility to reach the next generation. And it's a responsibility that we all have uh, to those who come behind us. And it was 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. It says that even as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which tries our hearts. And it just hit me that we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Like, we were privileged to be able to hear. Not everyone has that opportunity in their homes. Not everyone gets to even go to a Bible club. Like, there's a ton of places that don't even have that. Um, And with that privilege that we all have as message bearers, we have a responsibility, a great responsibility to reach out. And it just hit me, that responsibility. And I was one of those club kids, and now I was teaching um, kids in club and just just understanding um, that responsibility. Now, I just graduated my fourth year here in May. um, And my last year, my fourth year, I did with Child Evangelism Fellowship in Belfast. And during that year, I began to pray for the kids in my hometown where I grew up. There was no longer a club there, so I knew that the kids weren't being reached. And there's this whole generation that slipped by from the time that that club ended that I went to. And now, like, there's this whole generation that's in high school. I never met them, but there they go, and they've never heard. And I began to pray for the kids there, my home area, and I I told myself I'd never go back there. (laughs) Um, But God put that on my heart to go, to go back there, and I spoke with Mr. Romano about that and said, I'd really like to go back to eastern Maine, where I'm from, and reach those kids who are there, who are just like me, who never get to hear, and to be able to be able to tell them and to encourage others to go and to tell them. And same kids like me, and those kids are everywhere. They're not just in eastern Maine, but they're all over Canada. They're all over the United States. They're all over the world, and they're not hearing, but... If someone doesn't go, how will they hear? And we need people to go. And that, that is a great commission, right? To go and to make disciples and to go. So that is the ministry of CEF. And I know it's impacted my life. And I'm glad to be a part of it. So that's my story. <laughs> I do enjoy listening to Jesse speak. I enjoy her testimony. It's a biblical testimony. Generation to generation. And we normally think of generation to generation. And going to look at that in a moment in Psalm number 78, but we normally think of generation to generation, parent to child, and so on and so on, right down through. But for Jesse, it's generation from generation, uh, a girl from a non-Christian home in a school hearing the gospel, going back to that same school and reaching other kids from non-Christian homes with the gospel of Jesus Christ from generation to generation, and who knows, maybe there's another Jesse in that Good News Club right there. Who, who knows there? That's, that's the whole idea, isn't it, that we, 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 we go, and uh, I mean, we never know, do we? We, we never know. I, I wasn't thinking of Samuel until just now, but I mean, who would have ever thought that Samuel, who would have ever thought? You know, we, they were living in such, a, such an idolatrous, ungodly age at the time that Samuel was born. And, of course, a child of prayer. For this child I prayed, his mother prayed, and God answered that prayer, and she lent him back to the Lord for as long as he lives, young, young Samuel. 
And of course, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no revelation from God. There had been no revelation from God for a long time. God was silent, and and the nation was uh, the, the nation was steeped in immorality and idolatry. The two of those things go together. You've read the book of Judges. You know what it was like then. And God is getting ready to do something once again with the nation of Israel. And who does he begin it with? Does he begin it with a grown-up man? Does he begin it with a grown-up woman? He begins it in the heart of a little boy. Even before that, even before that, he began it in the heart of a godly mom who prayed for a child. For this child I prayed and just kept on praying. So from generation to generation. Thank you, Jesse, for reminding us this morning that it's not only from father to son, from mother to daughter, and so on. It's from from individual to individual, reaching the generation to come. But I do want to turn to Psalm number 78 and look at what God says concerning that. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Listen. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Listen intently. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. God's saying, pay attention to what I have to say. Let it sink into your heart. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. The word of God passed on, orally even, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, one generation telling the next generation, which our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. We're going to pass that along, aren't we? I, uh, my mom was the first one in our family that got saved. And she got saved, and then my dad shortly afterwards, and I was already in high school, and so I wasn't ready for anything like that. But I had, uh, my mom and dad didn't stop praying for me, and so although my life went from bad to worse in many ways, my mom and dad kept praying. And in 1973, I had one, one little girl, and I had been married for about a year. Uh, I think we were on the verge of divorce already uh, after one year's time together. This year will be 40 years, though. It'll be 40 years, you know, but the same one. Yeah. (laughs) My mom kept praying. My dad kept praying. They gave me a a book to read. My mom did, called The Beginning of the End by Dr. Tim LaHaye. And I would go home uh, on a little leave from the Air Force. We were stationed pretty close to home. I was stationed in, uh, on Cape Cod, and my home was in Portland. And so it was just a couple hours' drive up, and we would go home when I had a couple of days off. And my mom would say to me, John, have you read that book that I gave you? And I would smile and say, no, Mom, I haven't. You know, and 
go home again, the same thing. And then I'd get ready to go home, and my wife would say to me, John, have you read that book yet that your mom gave you? I always say to folks today, and you can mark it down, you young guys that maybe are not yet married and are going to get married, when your mom and your wife gang up on you, give it up. <laughs> when both gang up on you, just give it up. They're going to they're get their way. And so one day I sat in my living room and I opened up that book and I began, to, I began to read it. It was about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The beginning of the end was the name of the book. And I came to the end of the first chapter and there was a simple gospel invitation given in there right from the book of Romans. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I knew that I was a sinner. And the wages of sin is death, and I knew that I deserved death. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I just couldn't stop looking at those words. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I did not make a decision right there and then. I did not. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I read it. I looked at it. I did not make a decision. The reason I didn't make a decision right then and there is what would I say to my friends? I was a, I was a heavy drinker. And every night after we got done our job, I was a cook in the Air Force. All of us from the dining hall would go to the NCO club, and that's where we would spend the evening drinking, partying, what have you. And then late in the evening, I would go home. I think that's why my marriage wasn't going to last. That's no way to conduct a marriage. And then, uh, anyways, but I read the second chapter of the book, and the same invitation was given at the end of the second chapter. Right from the Romans wrote, all have sinned and so on. But God demonstrates his love toward us. Same, same thing. I still remember the plaid chair that we had back in the 70s there that we bought from W.T. Grant. And I got down on my knees by that chair and invited Jesus Christ to come into my life and be my Savior. Thanks mostly to my mom and dad's prayers from generation to generation. My daughter was only, oh, that was in October or November of 1973, and my daughter had been born in August of 1973, and so I had the privilege, she was our first, I had the privilege of uh, seeing my wife saved. Uh, she thought she was a Christian already, but she was not yet. I had the privilege of seeing her saved. I had the privilege of seeing my children come to know the Lord Jesus at an early age. If you were to ask me today, which is better? <laughs> which is better? There's no question in my mind. I'm glad to hear my sons or my daughters stand up and say uh, that from childhood they've known the Holy Scriptures. That little girl that we already had when I got saved, I led her to Christ when she was four years old four years old, and she didn't have all of that business of rebellion and walking here and walking there and away from God. She found that God was able to keep her through junior high school and high school in a public school, but God was able to keep her 
junior high school and high school, and now she's raising her kids. She has four children. She met a good Christian man at Word of Life Bible Institute in Sydney, Australia. I I wondered why she wouldn't go to New York, but it was Sydney, Australia she went off to at that young age and met her husband there, and now they live four miles from us. I thought for sure they'd be in Australia with my grandkids. But I have the the, the privilege now of teaching grandkids. My oldest grandson is 16 years old. He works with us in the summertime in Child Evangelism Fellowship. I'll see him this weekend at our teen retreat. He'll be there with your brother, Brianna. They're good friends, aren't they? Yeah. And so it, it'll, it, it's a joy. It, it's, a, it's a joy from generation to generation to generation, telling the generation to come the praises of the Lord. I, I was thinking today, and when, as I did my devotions, I was thanking God for memory. You know, it's just so good to remember But then the memories that flashed in were not great memories. And I thought, oh my, memory is a double-edged sword, isn't it, Nolan? Nolan shaking his head, yes. Memory is a double-edged sword. But my children and my grandchildren, they won't have a lot of the kinds of memories that I have. They've never done that. I'm so thankful not only for the grace of God that saves away from all of that stuff eventually, but for the grace of God in the life of a child that keeps from that stuff. Right, Jesse? Yes. (laughs) Natasha, you'll hear from Natasha tomorrow. She had the opposite kind of a testimony, raised in a Christian home. Jesse, not raised in a Christian home. Does God keep just as well those kids that are reached in non-Christian homes? He does. We need to reach those kids. We have another son. I was uh, down to see him in December, the end of December, December 29th. Was, is his son, my, my youngest grand, grandson's birthday. He turned two years old. That's my son, Robert. Robert did not grow up in my home from childhood. Robert came from a very rough home. Uh, where the Word of God was not shared, where people didn't know the Lord. And eventually, Robert ended up in a, in a hospital because he was taken from his mom and he was taken from his dad's home and he ended up in uh, the hospital in Portland in the psychiatric ward because they just didn't know where else. Nobody wanted him. He was almost 13 years old and nobody wanted him. Couldn't find a foster home. He had been a camper of ours. We take a lot of inner-city kids at camp, and he had been a camper of ours. At 10 years old, I had led Robert to the Lord. I didn't know at 10 years old when I led him to the Lord that one day he'd be coming into my home. Neither did he. Matter of fact, when he found out that someone, someone said the Romanos would take you, he said, I don't want to go to his home. I was like the principal, you know, of the school. I'm the camp director. And Robert wasn't ready for that. I don't want it, but he did. He, he came. We, Robert came when he was almost 13 years old. What a time we had with him. I mean, we had a time with him. He ran away from home one time. I've never had any of my kids run away from home. Robert ran away from home one day, and uh, I sat in my, my chair. He said, I'm leaving, I'm running away, and he had a couple of things packed, and out he went. He was about 14 at the time, and, and I just sat there and said, 
I'll see you, Robert. And my wife was worried, and she said, John, aren't you going to go get him? It was after supper. I said, Rona, he's afraid of the dark. He's not going anyplace. <laughs> he was sitting out in the back of the house, <laughs> just mulling things over, you know. And eventually, he came in. Yeah. He, uh, what, a, what a life. But he knows the Lord. He graduated from this school. You folks remember him well. He went three years here. Then he went into the Navy. Uh, now he's a GI Bill. He's in college, married a Christian wife. They have a little boy, Malachi. They're looking at the mission field. They want to go to the mission field. And he's in, again, he's in school through the GI Bill. And when he finishes, I think that's where they're headed. I'm not, I'm not for sure on that. From generation generation. And so now, you know, somewhere along the line, you have to stop something. Because from generation to generation in Robert's life, or in Jesse's life, from generation to generation, something altogether different from the gospel is being passed along to most kids. For, for my son Robert, from generation to generation, it was abuse and neglect. From generation to generation, it was abuse and neglect. And now we go down there. We were there, as I said, for my little grandson's second birthday. And to see that little boy being loved and cared for and prayed over, it's been broken, hasn't it? That, that cycle has been broken. And now, now we'll see the right thing telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his wonderful strength that which he has accomplished. And boy, when I, when I read that, I, I, which, which verse is that in right there? I, um, let me just get to it real quick. Some, um, someone have it already? I'll, I'll, get, I'll get it. You hang on. Right here. Telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. I mean, what do you primarily, what primarily comes to your mind when you think of his strength and his wonderful works that he has done? I'll tell you what comes to my mind is Calvary. It's Calvary. It's God's finger work to throw out how many, a thousand million stars in the galaxy and a thousand million galaxies out there? God names them all, every star. That's his finger work. But we saw his strength, his right arm, when our Lord Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And that's what, that's what kids need to hear about. You, you remember I've shared with you how I like to teach the one who is different. You know, that fourth lesson is he is different in his death. He's different in his death. And so you teach that to kids. We were having, I was having a conversation with Ryan. I think it, it's Ryan, isn't it? Yesterday about teaching kids. And Ryan said, I like to put on my kid voice when I teach kids. And I like to move around and jump around when I teach kids. And I think I said, that's good, Ryan, as long as that's who you are, you know. Be yourself. But then when, when, you know, when the other thing I said, and just keep it in mind when you're teaching kids. It's for me to remember. It's for Jesse to remember. It's for all of us to remember. It, it's, it's not just, and it's teaching anyone. 
it's not just keeping their attention that matters. I mean, you could be Bozo the Clown and keep their attention, right? It's not keeping their attention that matters. It's what you share with them that matters. It's the content that matters. And then you keep their attention, but you've got to share, I mean, telling the generation to come the praises of the Lord, the strength and His wonderful works that He has done. It's Calvary. I love teaching children about Calvary. And it's amazing when you teach kids about Calvary. Maybe they're restless and anxious and wiggling and moving and here and there, and then you begin to teach them about the cross. And when you begin to teach them about the cross, almost always it happens that there's a quietness that comes about. There's an attentiveness that comes about, and they're listening, and their hearts are open, and God is at work. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to teach kids about the cross, how Jesus died. The, the, the father loves him because he laid down his life for the sheep. And, and it's there in John chapter 10. No man takes my life from me. Talk about strength. His strength. No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my father. That's the strength of the Lord right there. Power to lay down his life as our substitute, our sacrifice. I love to look at kids and say, now, that's an important word, that word right there. That's one of the most important words in all of the Christian language that we have right there. I think Mr. Doherty, who knows a lot more about those things than I do, would agree. It is that word substitution, Mr. Doherty, isn't it? I mean, there are not many words more important than that word substitution. And you teach kids that, his wonderful works that he has done. And so I like, like for him to look in the Scripture and say, now, who did he die for? What did he die? He died for us. Who died for us? And then he died for our sins. <laughs> That's a little bit different there, isn't it? And then he died bearing our sins. That's a little bit different. And then he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's a little bit different. So do you think you can't teach kids that? That they just need to hear Jesus died for me? That's it? Oh, when we teach them about the death of the Lord Jesus, now they're not going to get it the same way you get it in a theology class. They're not going to understand it in that same way. But boy, you can watch. You can watch their eyes. You can, you can look at their body language. It's beginning to take that, yes, he, he, he was made sin for us. What's that mean? Oh, and so then you go over to something like the book of Numbers, you know, where Moses lifted up the serpent and the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 3, as the serpent was lifted up, and I say, why would the Lord Jesus be compared to a serpent? Why? And, and the kids will answer this or that, and one of them will eventually come to this. It's because of sin. He was bearing our sin. He was made sin for us. He was made a curse for us. And you teach kids 
We teach the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done for us. For He established a law, a testimony in Jacob. It's good to teach kids right and wrong, generation to generation. Kids don't know the difference from right and wrong anymore today. Grown-ups don't know. I remember Robert sitting with me in my chair at about 14 years old. And you might say, why would a boy at 14 be sitting with you? He didn't have that when he was growing up, so you're always catching up on things, you know. What's it like to sit in the chair with your dad? And when you don't know that, boy, you just enjoy it no matter how old you are, I guess. But we were watching something on television together, and, and I re- someone got killed, and I remember when it began to dawn on him. I, I remember when he said, Boy, there's a lot of people that would be sad when somebody died, wouldn't there? And I said, yeah, Robert, there would. (laughs) There would be a lot of... You know, we just kind of grow up with all of that in our homes, don't we? These these kids that we're reaching, they they don't grow up right from wrong. Think about what they grow up seeing. Think about all the people they see die in video games and on television. Think about the way they look at human life. Think about all that's being poured into those kids that's destructive. And we have a message, a message of life and a message of hope to pass to the generation to come that they in turn might grow up and teach their children. That's God's plan. And it's God's plan not only for girls like Natasha that grow up in a Christian home. It's God's plan for Jesse also, and girls like that, and boys like that. For it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And how will they hear except we go? (laughs) So God calls. And I'm saying to you this week, if God is speaking to your heart, concerning children's ministry. If God has spoken to your heart concerning children's ministry, don't forget. Don't set it aside. But when God speaks, when God moves, that's God. That's God. Listen. Give ear. (laughs) Listen. That's what the Word said when we started, right? Listen, my people, to my law. Hear. Well, I'd better close in prayer and then we'll finish tomorrow. Tomorrow, Natasha will share with you a little bit also. Father in heaven, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the great privilege of working with kids. Thank you for these students here that have worked with children, whom you've called to work with kids and will work with kids in the future. Thank you, Father, for this staff and this school where people can come and learn. Ask your blessing upon it and upon those that serve and those that learn, those that support this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Just before you go, by the way, in Jesse's freshman year, did you, was it your freshman year you started teaching Good News Clubs? Yeah, and she was very shy. The first time I ever asked her to leave Camp Good News and go to a five-day club, instead she said, no, 
<laughs> I can't do that. I need to stay here. I said, all right, all right, I'm going to stay here. It'll be all right. That was, 